Freedom HealthWorks is the direct primary care accelerator. We help doctors across the country start fresh in direct primary care. With Freedom HealthWorks, you work with a team, not a checklist. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com and together we can achieve true freedom in direct care. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Today, we're talking about DPC industry at large, helping spread the word about education materials, new practice announcements, anything and everything affecting the industry. And on today's show is Dr. Douglas Farrego, the king of medicine, as he calls it, at DPC News, a former direct primary care physician himself out of Virginia. Dr. Farrego, thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Great to uh, be here. Thank you very much. I'm actually here, which is my home, but it's good to be on the show. Yeah. Now we're talking about dpcnews.com, which is a relatively new venture for you. Give us an overview of what you're seeing. And I know that uh, we've been happy for Freedom HealthWorks to to be a sponsor of it. Love what you're doing there. And it's just such a great voice out there. You know, we started this podcast to try to tell people stories and how they get started in direct care in general. And then to be able to find a resource such as yours is incredibly invaluable. So walk us back, take us through it, and then tell us how things are going. What's the response been like? Well, I mean, personally, I was a, a one of the earlier docs on uh, in direct primary care. And, um, and so I actually uh, did it for six years and then retired clinically because I did 30 years in medicine. And, you know, I did about 140,000 patient visits in my career. It was just time. I needed to have a perfect guy to take over. And a perfect guy came aboard. And so the handoff was, even though it was during COVID, he's done great. And so I was, you know, clinically retired, not looking for something to do, but I, I have run another website called Authentic Medicine for 20 years, where we really fight against the medical axis of evil, which is like, you know, big pharma, PBMs, insurance companies. And so I know how to run that opinion website. It's, it's as old as any medical website, Kevin MD and, and I are as old, and that's where the king of medicine came from. But anyway, then I just started thinking, I still like the DPC world. I still want to be a proponent of it because that's everything. I've written three books on direct primary care, probably the three best-selling books on direct primary care, how to start it, motivational book, uh, how to stop the churn. So it's really important to me to make this movement go. And then I guess maybe it was Christmas. I'm like, you know, this information that I see coming out is being lost. It's just being lost. No one's holding this information. Now, the Direct Primary Care Alliance, which is the only national organization which I actually came up with the idea and helped found that organization, is going strong, but they don't have the bandwidth to keep this information going. And then there's uh, some Facebook groups, but, you know, that stuff washes through like a pebble down uh, the Nile River or whatever. I mean, it's just gone. So I asked everybody, you know, would you be interested in, in if I created this? Because I don't think that'd be hard, but I need to create something that's a repository as well as being up to date on information that people can go back and search by channels. And so I asked the DPC Alliance, I asked Facebook docs, I don't want to step on any toes. I'm very, I'm very careful because people are really putting their heart out and, and, and they don't want to, um, uh, the, it shouldn't be about competition, it's collaboration, it's about pushing the movement forward. And everybody was very positive. And once we started it, it is now the go-to site out of Facebook, which we got to get out of Facebook. <laughs> Everybody has to get out of Facebook, dude. I mean, everybody. But anyway, it's the go-to site for, for people to, if they want to look at up-to-date information on DPC stuff. So whether it's a practice announcement, uh, whether it's um, 
opinion stuff, whether it's political stuff, whether it's tips, it, we keep it there and we keep, you know, tweaking as we go. And so my wife helps me with it. And, and it's not that hard of a job for me right now. I have also, you know, some expense to it, which is covered by people like you guys who help me sponsor it. And uh, trust me, it's not making any money, but it doesn't matter. I'm pushing this movement forward. The bolder us we push up the hill because we have to do whatever we can to break this healthcare system. Yeah, and I want to pause and just, you know, thank you for your 30 years of taking care of people in six and DPC. And so, you know, we're talking a little bit before we hit the, the record button that, you know, this gives you time to follow that passion project. And I'm right there with you. I, I can't stand a lot of the Facebook forums that are happening right now. And I, I, love, the, I love the concept of the collaboration that is so sorely needed, but the platform itself, a lot of issues with Facebook in general. But this the interaction and the information, like you said, can, you know, people's questions and people's inputs disappear very, very quickly. It's and gone. so again, it's gone in a second. It's gone in a second. You can try to find it and there's some good yeah. stuff here, but it's gone. And that's a problem. I have to say, I hate Facebook for a lot of reasons, but in that, those DPC forms, they're pretty respectful of each other. And I think DPC is one of those very unique things that they're trying to screw up, that it's both left and right get along. I mean, yeah. I, I mean that, that's amazing. Absolutely. Hard left, hard right uh, docs doing it and getting along. And that's awesome. But their politicians are already trying to screw that up. <laughs> that's what they do, right? Yeah. It's, I think in Montana, they tried to pass a DPC bill just to say, hey, listen, guys, uh, DPC clinics are not insurance. Okay, so they can act, you know, you you can have a membership model. We passed it here in, in probably half the states in the country, but here in Virginia. Yep. And of course, it was somehow, and that's never happened before, party line, Republicans said yes, and Democrats said no. Well, that's that makes no sense. That made that then never made sense as why did it have to, and it just proves that we if one says says yes or one says black, the other one has to say white. And unfortunately, that's where we are in this country. But we don't want to be direct primary care does not want to be wrapped up in this political turmoil. I, I hope it continues to stay stay away that, from that. Well, it shouldn't. And, and I know we had our efforts here in Indiana to do the same thing. And we were testifying in front of the state house, uh, the General Assembly, and we had uh, state senators from the most urban of environments, very blue voters, who are saying, saying, wait a minute. You mean this is the first time that's going to level the playing field for healthcare access and they can price it according to the local neighborhoods? We said, yes. And they're like, well, this is a no brainer. This yeah. actually brings doctors into urban areas or it brings it out into rural areas that are all very similar social economic status of the people and the residents that live there. But now it levels the playing field and it, it opens up access to everybody. We, we always call it, this is the only model that works with every single health plan out there. Yeah. It just shows you how ridiculous the, the health, health insurance companies are. You know, they think they're taking care of you. They're not. That's not even close to being what insurance is, right? But you mentioned that right. thing about urban areas. And you mentioned, I think you said, a relative in Richmond. You know, I have a, a doc that opened up in Richmond in a really tough neighborhood, but one that's kind of expanding and growing and, 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 and he's not looking to make much money at all. I mean, it's so altruistic. It's awesome. And that's what you get with this, right? You have some doctors, hey, some doctors want to, we, we also talk about concierge care and the difference. And listen, I, I don't begrudge anybody does, I don't begrudge them what they charge. If you're going to double dip and pay insurance, that's not our world. So direct primary care does not double dip. We right. don't bill insurance. 
and our, and our prices are very uh, appropriate and affordable. That's the big difference. But if you want to do Tantierish and Hyatt, fine. But I find that most DPC docs, and I know, seems like I know everybody. I mean, I've just been around long <laughs> enough, right? I mean, sure. you know, with sure. books I've written and everything else, and I email, people email me and, and Facebook, instant, I answer every single one. The spectrum of um, where people are working from, country, urban, mm-hmm. to everywhere. And, and the amount of free care that DPC docs give and the amount of money they save patients is phenomenal. I see the pictures. Yeah. I see the massive wounds they take care of. Or I did the same thing. You know, I, I mean, it, I, take, I remember coming in on my anniversary. I was at dinner and a, and a patient cut his head open. I said, like, OK, I'm just finishing up. Went to the office, sewed his head right up, saved him thousands. So it is not the only answer, but it's part of the solution to fixing the system. Yeah. And that's what's hard to quantify too. And so one of the issues people always try to hit us with is, well, there's no peer-reviewed study out there showing the efficacy of direct primary care and direct specialty care, if you want to extend it, on people's health or people's wallets. And I'm thinking, well, goodness gracious, if you do that, how do you go out and say, well, here's a study that I probably saved an emergency room $30,000 to stitch up somebody's forehead. It's like back when um, President Obama was in town, we we're passing the first stimulus and it was those job ready acts. They started talking about, well, here's how many jobs we're going to save. You're like, well, you can't quantify that, but <laughs> that's the argument we keep getting hit with, right? You really need to, they make it up anyway, right? And so, you yeah. know, how many studies are fabricated? How many studies are garbage? How many studies are, are who's really going to support those studies? And so you need money to support them. And then you do things like, well, uh, how about we do what the studies show and go exactly against it? So in the system, in the industrialized model, you have quality metrics. I used to say these are all unproven, but no, I'm wrong. They are proven not to work. <laughs> okay. So you have <laughs> I like that. Yeah. over and over again, showing quality metrics do nothing. It actually is the detriment of care saying, okay, we're going to pay doctors on patients' cholesterol amount. And that is the detriment of care. And yet it is still used by insurance companies to pay doctors on bonus metrics. So the bottom line is, what does it really matter? And so I find that direct primary care doctors, the grassroots, are like, screw this, man. Let's just do what we feel is good for patients. And let's do what to uh, keep us ourselves happy in this job so we can do the job we wanted to do, which is treating patients, not treating the chart and treating the insurance company. And so I love that you guys and other people, there's um, other groups that are truly lobbying and trying to push that part forward. But the guys like me, I have no interest in that. And you, you don't want me there anyway, but this will grow by grassroots. Oh, it, it has to, will. it has to, it's physicians yeah. taken back. And that's where we always like to say, you know, for freedom of health, we support physicians. We never ever want to mandate stuff. You mentioned the word quality, which is an interesting word uh, in our industry right now, our industry being DPC, not medicine, um, because every single chief medical officer for a hospital that I come across, I go, doc, how do you define quality within your employer's health system? And you know what they say to me? Every single time without fail, it's whatever the insurers tell us it is this year. Yeah. And I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, that's how pathetic we are um, beholden to them, not we in the system. And so um, I used to fight tooth and nail when I was in the system. I worked at two hospitals in Maine before I came down to Virginia. And uh, uh, I remember fighting back against these quality metrics and the guys, the chief medical officer screaming, why do you, what do you hate about quality? I'm like, you can't define it. Right. I mean, so here's the one quality metric that'll never be uh, ever be tested and what patients want. 
how about we use this one metric, time with patients? How much time you spent with the patient, right? Oh, no, we can't have that. Why? Can, you can't measure it? No, you can measure it. You don't want to measure it, right? Because right now they're rolling 25 to 30 patients a day in the system and it's three minutes of visit. This is the exact amount of time I saw the doctor in front of me it was 3.7 minutes, right? Versus direct primary care, which would be 30 to 60 minutes. They don't want that metric because they don't want to tell patients what it's like. But I'll tell you what, I don't know how studies to back this up, but I, if you have more time with somebody, you do a better job. If you're flipping burgers at Burger King and you have 10 seconds versus more time to do it, you do a better job even flipping burgers if you can have more time doing your job and you're not rushed. No one wants to deal with that. But doctors understand that. And that's why they're leaving the system in droves to do direct primary care. Yeah. And uh, I, I have seen those studies that you talk about that more time with the physician means better, like you said, better outcomes for the patient usually, but also lesser downstream costs. Because- oh, absolutely. Lesser. You're dealing with five things that visit. And so yep. you don't have to bring them back. And also things, patients are not afraid to talk about their issues, right? right. So, so you're getting things done. You're wrapping it up. You're tying, there's less phone calls at night. There's less ER or urgent care visits. I, I can't tell you if it really, if, if, if anybody wanted, if some million billionaire want to spend money to prove DPC, it would be laughably easy to do so, uh, how much we are saving and making patients happy and keeping doctors in the system. Hey, you want to have this industrialized model where doctors are, are retiring and burning out? And, and in the end, it's going to be run by people that are not doctors who have one two hundredth or whatever number of the amount of hours of training, and that care will get worse as well. And so you want doctors, you better be able to treat them right. And they're not being treated right. You can see that because of the burnout issue. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, we, we always talk about the doctor-patient relationship, right? And Going back to what you said is quality is time spent with somebody. Think of any other relationship in your life. Think about your family's relationship. You said, I'm going to go spend quality time with a loved one, a child or a grandparent, somebody like that. You're not sitting there saying a time watch of, hey, you got three and a half minutes, dad, right. make it quick. Right. That's a good <laughs> point. No one's going to do that. It's the same and, it's a point with the family member thing. That's a good uh, comparison. But the, also the other comparison is if you care is a thing, is a thing, right? So I hate to say this, but if I have 600 patients and I know them all and I care about them, even if the amount of time I'm with them, I'm caring more as a doctor, right? I mean, it, it's a human thing. If it's a treadmill and I don't know anybody, yes, we're empathetic, but you don't as care as much because you don't know their family. You don't, you may never see them again. You may on, and it's quick and you just got to move on. I can't, I gotta, I gotta work for the man. I gotta keep going. It so they're robotic at that point, member, right? If a family member, I don't care if it's three minutes versus 10, you can still get quality time because you care about your kid. Right. It may not be as long as you want. So caring is one factor and time is the other. You have that with DPC. And I think the caring thing is questionable now in the, when, you're, when you're burning out and you don't have any time. So the, I think that that's the issue. Yeah. Last thing we want our doctors to, do, to be is robots. Yeah, robot. I think that's what you're getting is is no relationship, no human connection. Yeah. A patient is seeing a different physician or nurse practitioner, PA, whomever it is. They're seeing somebody different every single time. And that gets exhausting to say, well, here's what's wrong with me. Here's how I feel about it. Okay. Well, I need you to tell that same story another five minutes. Okay, here we go. Yeah. You're going to leave out little details that somebody might snag and say, oh, wow, this is a big clue. Let's go down this area right here. And then, you know, talking about, you know, burnout, which it's a tough, again, that's a tough, I feel like we're like starting our own DPC dictionary here, right? We got, <laughs> we got to start redefining stuff. Burnout is very, very tough to define too, because it's almost 
like victim shaming. You know, if the doctors burn out, it's, well, what's wrong with that doctor over there? They're right. not looking at the thing. And, and I've said this before, if this was any other industry, what our physicians and even nurse practitioners and very educated people who want to take care of people, other patients, what they have to endure from their workplace in any other industry is grounds for a lawsuit from day one. I mean, it, it's, it's environmental workplace abuse at a lot of levels. In the system, right? And so in the direct permanent care office, where it's my office, mm-hmm. my staff, it's, I'm seeing eight people a day. Yes, there, there was a very occasional abusive patient, which I had discussions with that continued like, listen, you go your way, you go my way. But when I was in the system for 15 years, remember the movie Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, Tim I, Robbins, Morgan Freeman, classic. I had a dream when I was working in the system that the poster in my office that, that I was digging out a uh, with a, you know, I should say fantasy with a tongue depressor, a hole that one day I would climb through that hole and get out of there forever. OK, that was my Shawshank syndrome that, that one day they come to my office and then industrialized model and looking for Dr. Farrego. And then they pull back the poster of a medical poster and there's a big hole. And I dug my way out for freedom. And I did with direct primary care. I actually said, that's it. That's it. I said, I either retire, this is years ago, or I will do DPC. And I did it where no one even really knew about it down here. Now there's three or four right, in my town. And so I'm happy about that. And a, a rising tide floats all boats. And you're so you're saving doctors. I, I, it was, I, you know, there's always, you know, no job's perfect, but that's, that's why it's a job. But doctors are being saved in a sense that burnout is gone and they're doing a better job with their patients and patients are happy and it's less costly. So it's so good to be true. That's why politicians have to squash it. (laughs) Unintended consequences from, you know, benevolent uh, government. Just talking to the clients that we work with um, to help them start their practices and help support them from there. I think last time we talked, like 60, 65% of these clients we work with would be out of medicine entirely yeah. if it wasn't for this model. Yep. And I mean, that's a microcosm yep. of hundreds of thousands of physicians in this country who might not even know about this, that might not even know this model exists. And so that's where, you know, I was really excited to, to see your site and, and see you continuing to maintain it. It's a ton of work from somebody who's familiar with websites and, and content yeah. creation. You know, what you're doing is just, uh, it's yeoman's work for sure. What's the response been like since you got deepcnews.com up and going? Well, I mean, I think it's a small niche, right? So as far as, you know, you're not, you know, you get a small niche of, but these are DPC centric people that look at this site every day. And so we're, you know, the feedback has always been positive, both on, it, it gets shared on multiple uh, platforms. We shared on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram and Facebook. And so their response is great. And, um, and we, we uh, will just continue to grow. And, and I think that live stuff conferences occur is going to be cool that'll make things better and we can help promote those and so we're trying it's a very <laughs> it's a very delicate balance i walked into a world that i didn't realize now because people are you know you know you're in a business yourself of trying to make you know uh money and i understand yeah. that and so we're trying yeah. to be in the middle where we're unbiased because we look at a world of news we're not truly a news site, but the world of every news site is all biased now. And so we're figuring things out as we go. So we're, it, it's been fun. It's not something I thought I would be doing, but um, if I was doing it for the money, I would not be doing it. I, I'm doing this for the movement. I really am. And I, I may end up passing this off to the right people, but I have some good people now working with me other than my wife that are also writing and doing the vaccine. So I, I really can't complain that much, but we'll just keep 
keep pushing. And uh, if you had to ask most primary care doctors and said, listen, I can guarantee you full practice with, you know, right away, this won't happen, but right away, and you don't have to deal with any coding, billing, any, anything like that ever again, you can do soap notes, you can spend all the time, would you do that? And I think they would. So the question is, how do you get them from A to B? You're doing one model that's trying to do that, okay? And they can do it on their own. It's a little harder, and I get that as well. Um, so I've pushed that to the AFP head people. Ask a questionnaire. Just do that one, one question, one question, questionnaire. Would you switch to DPC if you had all patients filled in day one and you were doing making the same amount of money, seeing but you're seeing eight patients a day? And let's see how many would say yes. And they know the answer, so they won't ask that question. <laughs> oh, they flat out said no. No, they won't even. No, and so uh, because because they don't want because wow. they don't want to. It's it's um you've got to dig deep and see where things are being but uh, bread is being buttered, and so yep. uh, and I'll leave it at that. And so the AMA are they going to switch? They have everything. They make more money in their CPT code book and all all other stuff. Are they going to support this? There's no way. So I can hammer them. I have no problem with it. And. I think the AFP is malleable, so we'll see where that goes. But I, I don't, I don't have to be friends with any of these people anymore because I don't, you know, I don't make money uh, off them, and I don't care about being canceled by them. I, I, I get to say <laughs> what I want now. So we do that on DPC News. I mean, there are some backhanded slaps we do sometimes just to kind of, you know, because we we want to keep the purity of direct primary care. I do, and I hopefully I'm speaking for a lot of people because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. the purity is, you know, I think that. Uh, keep the third parties of the direct the insurance companies out of this system. It's right. going to, they'll get in, trust me, they're going to try. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and we even see it from some of the big tech uh, vendors, um, you know, who are trying to scale down stuff. And, and we've talked with a couple of them. We're like, you guys don't have a clue what's going on here. Your price point is that of a large hospital system. And you expect yes. an individual practice, a one person practice to, to be paying this. And you, I'm like, you just don't get it. And so, you know, one of the things we try to be is very, you know, kind of the connective tissue here because there's a lot of individuals doing a lot of like really cool stuff and looking beyond primary care, you know, changing that P from a primary into a, maybe a patient, whatever that is, specialist surgeries, there's an entire wave of momentum happening here that, you know, our vision is to make that end-to-end alternative healthcare industry. That once somebody is used to paying cash in a practice, you never have to go back to the hospital in case, unless something really, really bad happens, it's very, very unexpected. And I think that's achievable in the next few years, having like-minded physicians like you and everybody else around the country who are pushing for this type of model. That's how weird it's gotten, right? That's the dogma. 60, 70 years ago, that's how it was. <laughs> right. And we look like lunatics now saying, yeah, hey. What about this over here? And they're like, I wait did a minute. That that's- my, I, t- I did it uh, uh, in 2016 for the Nuts and Bolts Conference. You can see it online, my keynote speech. And one of those things was um, imagining a, a doctor from the 40s in the audience. And he's listening like, what are you? You're trying to get back to what we we did? I mean, that's exactly what they did. They didn't have, they had their own office. Yeah. And the hospitals were, were, were nice to them because they wanted them to you know bring the patients there. The insurance companies paid when it was, for an insurance type of emergency. That's what insurance does. And so this all got changed in the last 30, 40 years for the worse. And then insurance says, we're the caretaker. And like, how did you become caretaker? Um, I, I, they actually think they're the caretaker now. It's, sure. You can watch the commercials, you know? 
Uh, we, we're your healthcare giver, or even the hospital says, we're your healthcare giver. You know, you're not the doctors are, and your hospital's walls and equipment without nurses and doctors and, and the other staff, it's nothing. And so right. it's all forgotten. This could be the tip of the sword to change that. I hope. I hope. As long as legislation doesn't get in the way or <laughs> you know, I, those. it's it's a crapshoot at different times. It's going to be hard to break DPC. I'm not I'm not legal analyst. And, and you probably know Phil Eskew. He's a good guy to always ask about that. He's a lawyer yep. that deals with a lot of this stuff. But. You know, I guess that they say we force you to take Medicaid patients. I mean, it's actually in the insanity, right? So, okay, um, um, you could actually do it right. And we've talked about, I've talked about this with other people as well. Okay, let's say you want to give, instead of an EBT or a food stamp card, which is, you know, they get $70, let's say, a month for their food stamp card, someone on Medicaid, it's $75 a month for uh, health care. Mm-hmm. And they can go to my office or they give me the number. We charge that $75 a month and they can come see us off they want. There's no difference there. I wouldn't, why would that be a bad thing, right? It would, how much money would that save if Medicaid patients were coming to me for $75? I'm getting the same amount of money as I was somebody else. Right. And they just use their same KBT card, which is like a credit card. We're, we probably save an unbelievable amount of money because they may be sometimes tougher patients, but we don't know DPC doc cares. We like seeing tougher challenging patients. And that's dispelling one of the myths that you're going to select, you know, the, the easiest patients, the healthy patients, but you know, going back to that and and we've, we've been involved in some Medicaid conversations, the state is not willing to give up the control. And I think that's what scares a lot of the physicians saying, well, it's $75 this month, well, what about next month or what about next year to be a little bit more accurate there? What about next year is it is going to say, Hey, if you want to still do this program, it's $65 and then it's 60 and it's $55. And this isn't paranoia. This is precedent. This is what's going on right now since the nineties, as far as physician reimbursement goes. So yeah. I see a lot of doctors and I understand where they're coming from saying, well, if Medicaid wants to pay the patient and then the patient can join on their own volition. Right. Great. That's the, that would Let's be that. That would be the physician card, the EBT card. If it's yeah. a direct contract with Medicaid, I would be out, right? Yeah. So there's always strings attached. And that's the same thing with um, any insurance company. Now, let's go back to insurance companies. and You want to see how, how, how evil they are, right? So let's just say I'm in an area, this area here, and it's Dr. Frago's office. And they hold, they won't put me, I'm not even listed or wasn't and uh, as one of the guys that preferred whatever it was. Preferred what it. You got to think to yourself, okay, well, if you're a company and you said, well, this guy for doesn't even charge us. Why wouldn't I put in the, the highest preferred, put him a double gold platinum because he's never going to charge us, right? Because I don't charge the insurance company. Why wouldn't they do that? The reason they don't do that is they want your data. They want your patient's data and we won't give it. And that patient's data is worth more than the billing that I have billed them. And they mm-hmm. want to manipulate and deal and control that. And so that's ridiculous when you think about it, that I, as a direct primary care doctor, will not be preferred because they want me to give them all the information right out of my computer. And so if you're ever into, if patients are into the security part, direct primary care doctors don't give their information out about everybody else is, is unless their EMR is selling it, which I, uh, I only work with Atlas and Atlas does not sell that information. Everybody Mm -hmm. else is, is selling that information, but just think about the logic there that, wait a minute, I'm not even billing you guys and I can't be preferred. How is that possible? And that's a great point, you know, the data aspect of it. But when, again, government got involved with insurance companies to regulate their profit margins, 
the only way you increase your profit, if you're at a fixed, I think, 4% profit margin, most of them is right now, you have to bill more revenue to increase your bottom line. It's, a, it's obviously a very correlated relationship. So that's one of the things that's always been head scratching getting into this business model is, well, I think insurance companies would really support this because they're not paying out claims. And Correct. then you look, you dig a little bit, and it's like, wow, uh, they want to build inflated claims because even though they discount it, that is the only way that they can legally have a higher profit. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. It's corrupt. That's why they're the medical act, lead, lead contender of medical access of evil. I, I love I, you know, I can't tell you how they have just ruined from prior authorizations and PBMs, which they own now, to you know, all that kind of stuff has just ruined healthcare. And if you really want to boil down what healthcare is, it's the doctor in front of the patient, giving that patient time and working with that patient over time, over uh, by knowing them to help them get healthier. And I will put DPC model ahead of anybody else on that. Yeah, absolutely. Insurance is a, is a financial tool. It's yeah. always, every other insurance has always been built for financial reasons, except health insurance has become this perverted thing where we, we forget ourselves as American consumers and say, hey, what's this little card get me? What are these numbers? Uh, that's all I want. Yeah. And then usually it's, they need something beyond that. And lo and behold, now we're all frustrated. And now when we're sick next, we're never going to call the doctor up and tell something's really, really bad. And then that snowball's already pushed downhill. And that's a huge, huge problem here. Agreed. And that's why with direct primary care, you will call your doctor a lot more often because you know you're paying out of your pocket 75 bucks a month. I'm going to ask the guy about my shoulder. I love hearing stories where DBC docs are getting on their patients because they see them. They say, why didn't you call me a week ago? Well, I didn't want to bother you. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, <laughs> and I love that. I love using those examples because it shows how much your doctor cares about you. And then I think that happens to almost every single patient where it's like, well, this looks bad, but I don't, I don't want to bother my doctor. And then that doctor chews them out for not calling them. And they're like, I get it now. I understand why, why I'm paying for this service and how to use the service. And that's always a big thing in education. Not only what it is, but how do you actually use this? Because you have to break a lot of bad habits from a physician and from a patient side. And people don't, don't know direct primary care. We're the ones answering the texts the doctor is. Uh, where, uh, you know, in the emails, we're answering the phone calls. It's amazing. You look at these other massive uh, offices, it's like it goes through a portal into a bank and you may get a nurse answer your email three days later. That does not happen. Everything was answered that day. Every text was answered that minute. Every phone call go, I can go get to if you needed me. And the same guys do takeovers doing the same thing. So the service aspect is so much better because it was also shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it's not easy. It's not hard to beat that service of the other system. <laughs> low bar, right? low yeah. bar. Yeah, but I do think that's why I kind of, I'm not, again, begrudging you know, or anti-concierge, but I don't see we do anything less than concierge for just sometimes a tenth of the price. And so, um, you know, I think I'm very proud of that. I'm being proud of that, you know, that, that, I'm, that we're getting this thing in the, the, and you're doing it as well, getting that information out. Yeah, it's concierge for the masses is what I've yeah. heard it build a lot of times. Um, well, I'm not love use concierge at an affordable price. Yeah, and and um, you know you, you brought up Dr. Eskew and, and he does he did a great webinar for us talking about the difference between direct primary care and concierge and helped us out there uh, for more an analytical step and 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 he was funny he's like nobody's really in love with the term direct primary care 
you know, concierge sounds nice, but that's been totally perverted over there on that business model. I'm like, well, we're going to work with what we got here. So put in the Affordable Care Act as direct primary care, I think, right? So I think we're stuck with that too. Yeah. 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 Like I said, if that's got to be, it's got to be it. It's just, it's funny having conversations with people who've never heard of this. And then you say a term like this and you're like, well, it's really direct to consumer or subscription medicine or, or, or whatever it is, membership. And they're like, oh, okay. I think I kind of get that thing. And they go, is it like concierge? And you're like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. So we still got a little ways to go. It's at least it's a start. It's concierge and affordable price and we don't bill your insurance. The thing is in time, DPC, maybe it's just those letters will work. And listen, Apple doesn't mean anything either, right? Doesn't really mean that it's an apple. So why is that, you know, now we, oh yeah, it's Apple. It's, it's, it's you know, but yeah. yeah. So I mean, DPC just, D, people should stick with it because uh, it, I think it's legally, I think Phil talked about that as well. It's stuck in that Affordable Care Act. And then I think that uh, it's just now repetition. I mean, it does kind of say what it is. It's not as pretty as, as concierge, which, you know, is that kind of a, is that a French word? I don't even know. But anyway, the, <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, I, what, it's, it's a big whatever. It, I, I'm of I'm the feeling that it's, if you do good work, if you give great care, if you give great value, I don't care what you call it. And if we're consistent, it's going to grow. And then we, then we have to figure out the hurdles as we go. And, and I think what's interesting, just continuing that line of thought, is that on a local setting, we see a lot of practices don't necessarily use that terminology. They just talk about their practice as a member of the community, you know, here at XYZ practice or whatever that is. And people are, are saying, wow, it's really the return of the small town doctor. And so right. I love that aspect of tell people about your business, get out there, be your own uh, cheerleader. And then brand your business locally. And so you're going to be an integral part of the community. And you don't even have to worry about what do I call this or what do I call that? I think you have to promote yourself because you are doing a great job. There's nothing wrong with bragging about yourself if you do a great job, right? Right. And really what it comes down to, what people do accept is a membership model. That term is from Netflix. That term is for Hulu. That term is for everything we have is a membership model. They're kind of used to that now too. It's a membership model. It's a way to help tell patients what it is. We don't bill your insurance, blah, 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 blah. And you go for your 30-second elevator speech, which we talk about. I talk about in my book. I've talked about in conferences. And people do need to get there. Hey, listen, you're going to have to get out of your shell if you're going to start your own business. I don't care who, you know, you've got to get out there in your community. You're part of the community. And so when you see people at a fundraising, you've got to be out there, you know, kissing babies and shaking hands, almost like a politician. But you truly, I mean, you can be proud because you're a doctor helping people. And then it just grows upon itself. Every DPC doctor hits a tipping point where people start talking and then they usually fill. Once again, on Healthcare Americana, we're talking to Dr. Douglas Farrego, and he has started dpcnews.com. So, Doc, bring us home here. Give us an idea. I know we touched upon it a little bit earlier, but what kind of specific articles, uh, education, what are you putting on your site and who's contributing in it and in what ways? So if you look at dpcnews.com, you'll see that there's channels. Those channels have either stuff going on in politics, practice announcements, uh, updates, opinion articles, student resident section, a specialty section, and there's even a few other sections. There's a DPC News Television, which is, a, you'll have to see that to believe that. And then we do have sponsors on the right hand, which is, uh, you know, thank you very much. You guys are one of them on the right hand column. I don't think we charge excessively, but we have those sponsors as well. And I have to screen those out. Actually, I have people I can't and I don't feel appropriate using. So I'm very this is not to make a lot of money. Like I said before, everything goes up daily. We have an events calendar. So we are trying to get all the events that go on out there and put them on a calendar 
so people can see it. And, and we're still working our way through that, but you click on that calendar. There's a classified section on top as well for people with, uh, who are looking for doctors or join their practice and as well as selling equipment. And this just continues to grow because the, uh, the interest is there. The interest is there because doctors who are in it 99.9% is never 100% in life, but they love it. They want to help it. And this is the most collaborative group of physicians I've ever met in my life. Listen, we're a tough crew. Doctors are not always so nice. You know, nerds going through a million years of education, cutthroat, would kill each other during medical school, in residency or a million hours, you don't make friends. And then it's a solo sport sometimes and you're out there and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, some doctors just don't play nice with each other. But DPC doctors all play nice with each other to a certain extent, but I would say almost all play nice with, with each other and help each other out. That's a cool thing to be a part of. It is really the definition of a learning community yep. and everybody's doing something a little bit different. And, and that's, what's fun is the flexibility and then people can really stamp their own personalities on it. And when I first started getting into this about six years ago, it was really interesting because my dad was a, a primary care doctor and a family doc. My mom's an internist. And so a lot of exposure to medicine and I could see the commoditization of medicine, especially family medicine and, you know, the general practitioner, I'm using air quotes here, but being into this industry and being active in direct primary care, I mean, the personalities that come out with primary care physicians is absolutely incredible. And so each practice is kind of specializing in what they want to specialize in. And they're like, this is so cool. I thought I had to just put on a faceless, nameless act every time I went into a, a patient's exam room, but no, it doesn't have to be that way at all. Reclaiming my independence has been the ticket for me to do that. Actually enjoy being a physician again and, and balancing that out with a very healthy home life. It's Absolutely. very impactful. You nailed it on the head. There's people doing every procedure, PRP. Uh, I mean, they're doing everything. But then you bring the family life. It was so cool to have my family come to the office and hang out. Well, yeah, just, you know, I have to worry about, you know, that intermingling because, you know, my, my wife worked with me, my, they, my kids would come and patients knew my kids. That's what it's all about. That's the old time family doc. You know, I'll give you one story. I remember first couple of years in this lady and, and she's had five kids and they're early teens and her husband had just died from cancer. She has no insurance. And I said, well, I can't charge you. So, and so she was like, what? I'm like, there's no way I'm going to charge you a family. To, and so they stayed with me till I was, they're still there. And I never charged them a dime. And they were the nicest people would bring things. The son would bring a gift card when he could or whatever, you know, but they, they were so, she cried and bawled that I would be that nice. But, you know, in the old system, I'd have to ask some idiot administrator who'd go up seven of seven levels. And then maybe someone would try to get him on some plan and it would probably take a year. And then, I, and then I remember this happening. And finally the administrator would call him up and, and say, okay, we're going to let Dr. Frank Craig take care of you for free. And they would thank you. So-and-so Mr. Jones, like, dude, he is doing nothing. <laughs> thank you to him. <laughs> What did he do? Now, I wasn't in it in my, when I was in DPC for the thanks, but it just showed like that system was just so much red tape. Here, in that moment's notice, I could give that family uh, free healthcare. And I did that for about 10% of my practice and uh, never publicized that, never, you know, whatever. But I know I felt good at home. That's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. And that's the kind of stories that I've been reading on your site, as well as a lot of educational ones. So, Dr. Frego, thanks for everything you do. Keep up the good work. Keep, uh, 
keep being that force pushing this industry forward and helping a lot of physicians show them the light that, hey, it is possible to thrive in this industry like so many other of your peers. So thanks again for joining us here and uh, keep up the good work. I will. Thank you, guys. Once again, this is Healthcare Americana. I'm your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. The new administration has big plans for your health insurance, changes that can limit your choices. The Affordable Care Act created a one-size-fits-all plan. Healthcare is not a one-size-fits-all problem. The premise of the ACA is that coverage equals care. It does not. This is Eric Wilson from ISA Health Incorporated, and I recently saved a family in their 50s almost $600 per month with our free market plan. Act now. Protect yourself with a plan that cannot be canceled. This is a nationwide PPO plan, which allows you to pick your doctors and hospitals. Start saving 30 to 60% today. If you are self-employed, purchase your own health insurance, or are uninsured, you can lock in a private plan managed by you, not the government. Call me, Eric Wilson, an expert with 17 years experience at 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or go to iSellHealth.com. That's iSellHealth.com a free market, affordable approach to healthcare. I look forward to speaking with you. Interested in saving money on medical expenses? Coral is a healthcare marketplace and referral platform that helps direct primary care physicians, specialists, and medical plans find each other and work together at an affordable and transparent price. Save time and save money by utilizing the transparent direct contract model from Coral. To learn more, please visit coral.io. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.